we're still talking about um, the kingdom of heaven, and I want to talk about, a little bit more about that today. <clears throat> uh, since we've been doing this particular series on the kingdom of heaven, I wanted you to really understand the, uh, the word eminence, uh, although I may not have mentioned it like that, but that is the Lord could come at any moment. That's what we believe, that he could come at any moment, that it is not something that's, that uh, has to happen tomorrow, today, uh, uh, to restrain him or anything like that, uh, his coming. But he could come at any juncture. And so what we want you to do is to live a life uh, of expectancy, to, to, to have your particular conduct uh, ordered by the Lord and knowing that should the Lord come at any juncture, any moment, that you are ready to meet him. And that's what we want. We don't want you to be caught unaware because the scripture says that there will be those who are caught unaware. They will be unprepared. And the way they are when the Lord comes, that's how they will remain eternally. And so we don't want that. <clears throat> now, for you as a believer, somebody who loves the Lord, uh, I, don't, there, I don't believe there's any danger in you being lost. But you can lose reward. And we don't want that either. We don't want you to lose reward. Um, today, I, I'm I've titled this message, The Attitude of Heavenly Citizens, and I put uh, under it tough love, <clears throat> that, that the attitude of heavenly citizens. I want to talk about, about that and tough love. When we talk about attitude, we are talking about a settled way of thinking. It's the way you think. Your attitude is, is what you have settled into as a person. Um, it's the way you think, the way you feel about somebody or something. So that's how you are. This, it's, it's your attitude. Uh, it is always, uh, if not always, almost always reflected in your behavior, in your conduct, um, the way you comport yourself. It, it, your attitude can be seen even if you're not saying anything. <clears throat> and so uh, I would like f f to deal with this the, the attitude of heavenly citizens because he heavenly citizens should comport themselves differently than all the peoples of the earth. So it doesn't matter what others are doing, how are you conducting your life? So, so your conduct is not contingent or built upon what somebody else is doing. It is always based on and comes out of what God has done. That is, comes out of the word of God, comes up from the spirit of God, who is in you. You know, the Spirit of God is in you. The Word of God is in you. Uh, that's why I believe that so often when, when somebody says something, you go, wow! You, know, you go that because you just realized something. You just heard it from them, but it triggered something in you. I, I believe that all the revelation of Jesus is in the believer, but it has not been exposed to the believer, manifested to the believer. And so we have to understand that. So that should be informing our conduct. You cannot say, yes, but. I, I, you know, we, we, we hear that a lot, right? So it's such and such and such and such, you know, we have a litany of things in it say, but. And as I heard somebody say recently, it wipes out everything that was said before. <laughs> so, but Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 12, he tells us to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So that, that's so huge. Uh, if, if I were... Um, 
about uh, 30 or 40 years older, uh, I, I would stay on that for the whole sermon. Uh, you know, that's how I was when I was a boy growing up. You know, they, 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 he would say let, and the pre- preacher would preach on that for about 10 minutes. Let. Yeah. yeah. But let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So allow it. Allow this, this full functioning mind to express itself in you. Allow it. How do you allow it? By being obedient. By being obedient. And you do not have to be obedient by your own power or strength. You're not obedient by that. You are obedient because of what Jesus has done. Right? What, what God the Father has done in you through Jesus. So they're both the same. And say, who, now Jesus, this is what Jesus, let this kind of mind be in you. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Or you could say he did not think equality with God was something to be grasped. He wasn't always trying, you know, to talk about his uh, divine privileges. He was not doing that. He wasn't talking, saying, okay, well, I have a right for this, to this and that kind of thing. So he said, who was in the form, uh, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. So uh, we're not going to deal with that in in its entirety or or try to deal with it in in, in some comprehensive way. But it does, I think it has a double meaning that some, that the the ESV uh, brings out another form of meaning, the NIV and also the New King James here that I use. But, But this is what the scripture is saying. But Jesus did not try to grasp something, but made himself of no reputation. He wasn't trying to vaunt himself up. He was not saying, wait a minute, I, uh, I have a right to this. I have a right to be respected in, the, in, the, in a particular way. He wasn't doing that. He uh, taken the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. So Jesus Christ took the low place and, uh, he, and he, as it were, dignified the low place. He dignified serving. He, he made it special, God, the servant. Is that, a, is that amazing? I, I believe it is in Luke chapter 10 where he says, he gives a parable about when uh, the master goes away and comes back, uh, that, uh, that all of the servants have, have done well, done everything, so the master is going to gird himself and serve them. That's a really big, big deal to me. And we see that Jesus was always serving. He didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. And a lot of times when we serve, we want recognition for our service immediately or we are insulted. But uh, Jesus was not like that. And so he's telling us this is how we're to comport our lives. This is the attitude of a heavenly citizen. You comport yourself like Jesus, the king, comports himself. Uh, let me say this one because it, it'll haunt me, as it were, uh, if I don't all my message. But the thing that, that really, really impressed me about Jesus and his resurrection was, of course, getting out of the grave was very impressive. The first time a man had ever done that, got out of the grave by the power of God, just woke up, you know, uh, out of death. And then you find him uh, several days later. Uh, he is on the shore of the Lake, Lake Galilee cooking breakfast for somebody. I mean, I mean that, that shows you who Jesus is. No job was beneath him, as it were. He was, he was out there cooking breakfast for his disciples who had run away like scared rabbits, and one had gone as far as to deny that he knew him. And he, and he spent a whole day converting him 
getting him back and, and strengthening, strengthening him after he had cooked and served breakfast. So, so this is the attitude. Now, what he says is, in, in verse 8 he tells us, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. We've been talking about that a lot in the last several days, how we are to walk in obedience regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the situations. <clears throat> we do not practice what we call situational ethics. We do not, we do not say, well, this situation uh, uh, demands that I do something um, uh, uncommon or out of the ordinary. I do something that is unchristian because this situation demanded it. Now, there are a lot of us who are so informed by culture that we, we would not say it, but we have a sort of situational ethics mentality and attitude. You don't want that. That is not of God. Absolutely not. Um, so verse says, uh, verse 8b says, he humbled himself and became obedient to, to the point of death, even the death of the cross, which talks about an ignominious death or a very low death, uh, a very horrible death, a death that a criminal died, not a king, not a, a law-abiding citizen, which he was. He, was he, he kept the law perfectly, but he died a terrible death uh, that you would, say the worst of mankind would die. And he says he, he became obedient to God, to Father, to die that kind of death. He says, then Paul says in verse 9, we have his verse 9, says, therefore, as a result of that, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. So God has highly exalted Jesus because of his, his beautiful and wonderful lowly service and his obedience to the point of death that the God-man died. That's big, isn't it? And he says, but I could pray to my father, uh, and he would give me 72, uh, uh, 72 legions of angels. No, 72,000 angels, 12 legions, 12 legions of angels, 72,000. He'd give me 72,000 angels to rescue me. But how would the will of God be done if that were the case? And, and so Jesus is saying that for us, it's not rescue that God is after. So often, especially as people in the Western world, we always hear these words, you've got to use your head. You know, have you ever heard that? Uh, I talked about that last week, and, uh, and someone talked with me about what did you actually mean? You, you know, I said, yes, we do use our head when it is informed by our heart, by the new heart that God has given to us. But it is informed by the, the indwelling Holy Spirit, informed by the indwelling Word of God, and then we do what that word informs us. But we don't use our head apart. And I said, the reason I, I said to whomever it was, I don't even remember who it was, but I said, the reason we, we do not, we follow the heart, because a lot of people said, don't follow your heart. That's wrong advice. Don't listen to that. Because we have a new heart. We don't have the Jeremiah 17 heart. It's, it's, at least that's not a functioning heart in the believer. Should not be a functioning heart. That is the heart that is desperately wicked and who can know it. That's, that's a Jeremiah 17 heart. But the 31 heart and the Ezekiel 36 heart is a brand new heart where, it, in, where the Holy Spirit dwells and my newly recreated spirit lives in there. And that is a part of the believer that is saved. And so now I can, I can follow that part that has been perfected. I cannot follow that which is being perfected. I use it, but I don't let it leave me. 
the heavenly citizen is not led by that. The Bible teaches us very clearly that those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And so we have the indwelling Holy Spirit to lead us. So you, and you can know him. How do you know the indwelling Holy Spirit? You know him by the word of God that you're reading and that is preached to you. You know him by that. Someone asked, well, how can I hear God? I don't hear God. I said, you read the Bible and you will hear his voice. And if you keep reading it, you will hear his voice when you're not even reading it. That's how that works. Now, let me get back to my main point. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Jesus is saying here, let, Paul rather is saying here, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, you may ask, what kind of mind was that? In Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, he tells us what kind of mind that Jesus had. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, take my yoke upon you uh, and learn from me. For I am gentle. Wow, we could stop there. Paul tells us uh, in his letter, one of his letters to Timothy, uh, a servant of the Lord must, be, must not quarrel, but be gentle to all. He must not quarrel, must not have a quarreling spirit, a quarrelsome spirit. He must not have that. Now, if you're a person who quarrels a lot, he's talking to you. And if you're a person who has stopped quarreling, he is still talking to you, right? Because we, we must not, he says, we ought not, we should not quarrel, but be gentle to all, be gentle to all. And, and some of us have a worldly, um, a worldly infusion because of culture and practice, and therefore we do things that God says a heavenly citizen should not do. <clears throat> but we should be getting rid of those things. We should be better today than we were yesterday. Amen. And so he says to us, um, uh, I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, what he says is, if you take the yoke, if you'll take the gentle yoke, if you'll take the lowly heart upon yourself, learn from him and don't push yourself, but be, be gentle, be easy, be lowly, take the low place. He says, you'll find rest for your souls. So therefore, many of us do not find rest in our souls, and we are always agitated in soul because we are kicking against the prick. We're kicking against the goads, as it were. Uh, uh, now, also, Jesus says, for even, uh, and, I'm sorry, Romans 15.3 tells us, for even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached God fell on, on Christ. So he did not um, at, at all, Christ did not at all please himself. That's not what he was about. Now, what does that mean for us? It means that if we're going to take on the mind of Christ, let the same attitude be in us that was in Christ, we cannot go live a life uh, wanting to be pleased all the time. I told you that when the young man said that he'd never, he had never known how selfish he was until he got married. And when he got married, he realized, wow, I've had selfish intent all the time. So there are those, some of us in this building today, we, we are still selfish about, in those areas. We think that, well, everything should go my way. And some Christians even have 
the attitude, my way or the highway. And, and, if, and if, you, if, if it's you today, you know it's you. And what you're to do is just say, Lord, be merciful to me. All right? All right? I didn't expect for it to be so quiet. <laughs> I, th I thought you'd be shouting and stuff. So, so the, the heavenly-minded citizen is always also properly positioned. It's a properly position. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 17, uh, the instru instruction was, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Let Stand still. You will not need to fight in this battle. What, we don't fight the devil. Uh, I, hope, I trust that nobody in this congregation is still fighting the devil. We don't fight the devil. We fight the good fight of faith. We believe God in spite of what the enemy is doing. And we don't have a, a, a lifestyle of always talking devil talk. You know? You know, have you been around that? So we don't do all that devil talk. Because why advertise? You know, if you were to talk about me all the time, I'd come around you. And that's how we are. We'd come around. You know, oh, let me see what else you have to say. Wow, thank you. Oh, that was very nice of you. Thank you. You know, so the devil is appreciating all this devil talk. Gets free advertisement. But my attitude is let's make him pay. Okay. Are we still together? Let's look at uh, 2 Chronicles 29, uh, 5 through 6. By the way, this was when Jehoshaphat and his army uh, were outnumbered, greatly outnumbered in, in 2 Chronicles 2017. They were greatly outnumbered, and God was uh, bringing about a great deliverance for them. So it doesn't matter how many are against you. It doesn't matter what they are saying about you. What matters is, is God for you. And the Bible says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And what that means is, don't even worry about it. What that gnat, oh, swat that thing away. Because God is for you. That's what he's saying about all the things that happen in the life of a, of a believer. Because this is what we know. That nothing in this, in this whole sphere, and nothing even out of it, can, can come to the presence of God and take what is God's from God and say, well, who do you think you are? I mean, no, it doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way because you are in the hands of God. And Jesus tells us emphatically, uh, very, uh, he emphasizes it, that nobody can come to the hand of God and just snatch you and do whatever they want to do with you. So, so your attitude is to be properly positioned where I am in the hands of God. And that is my confession. That is my place. I am in the hand of God. Are you in the hand of God? Yes. Amen. We're in the hand of God. And in 2 Chronicles 29, 5 and 6, uh, 5 and 6 he talks about, uh, gives a sort of an admonition to uh, the people of God. And this is what you and I must do as well. We don't live like the devil. And then when it gets overwhelming to us, we just call on God. He rescues us until the next time we're living like the devil again. I mean, that's not Christianity. I mean, whatever you're practicing, it's malpractice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's not, not Christianity. Yeah. Because God, God saves us for a purpose, not just to rescue us from hell, all right? Not just to do that. Let's look, look what he says. Sanctify yourselves, set yourself apart, sanctify the house of the Lord God, 
of your fathers and carry out the rubbish from the holy place. So they're getting ready to sanctify the temple. So, so carry out the rubbish, whatever is rubbish in your life, whatever should be thrown away in your life. You know what it is. You know, it's, your, it's probably attitudinal, you know. So he says, for our fathers have trespassed and done evil in the eyes of the Lord our God. They have forsaken him, have turned their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord and turned their backs on him. So he says to us that when we know that things are wrong, we need to do something about the wrong. All right? I want to go to the next point. Uh, let the dead bury their own dead. Now these are attitudes of the heavenly citizens. Let the dead bury their, their own dead. The first one I gave you was be properly positioned. Always be properly positioned. Let the dead bury bury. Uh, bury their own dead. So if you bury your own dead, it means to stay focused, that you need to stay focused, keep your focus. Heavenly citizens are focused. They are focused. Matthew chapter 8 verses 21 and 22. Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Let me go bury my father. Okay, let me, go, let me leave you right now and go and bury my dad. Let me stay with my dad until my dad is gone. And when dad is gone, then I'm going to come and follow you. All right, that's what that, this is about. So, but verse 22 says, but Jesus, but Jesus said to him, and listen to what Jesus says to this person, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. What Jesus is saying is not, to, uh, is not saying don't care about your family. But what he is saying is, then you do first things first. We don't, we don't, we don't really understand that. And I, I know when I was a young man, I remember hearing a lot that God first, family second, and then the other things. But we had to be told that ministry was not, and, and God were not necessarily synonymous. But I would tell you, sometimes they're one and the same, and sometimes they're not. It all depends on what God is saying, not what you want to do. Sometimes we are about self-aggrandizement, making ourselves bigger, making ourselves look good. We like the attention. Yeah. And so that's why many people do ministry. They like being the star of the show. But, but, but here, we want Jesus to be the star. We want Jesus to be seen, not us. Amen. The only reason that we are not, say, behind some board is because that would be real weird, you know. But we are we're standing up here, but not trying to, to vaunt ourselves up. No one who stands here should do this, as the old preachers used to say, when you stand behind that sacred desk. Yes, the sacred desk. But Luke 9, 60 uh, gives us a little amplification on Matthew 8. So Jesus said to him, to the man who wanted to, to uh, follow him, he said, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. So if you want to follow Jesus, he says, you go and preach the kingdom of God. God will take care of those other things, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. It doesn't mean leave your wife and children at home. They have no food, but you're out preaching. No, you need a job. Another one. All right. So let's look at Luke 11, and uh, this one is, the, the, the second point of a heavenly king, uh, citizen is to uh, stay focused. Let the dead bear their own dead. Let those things of the, those people of the world take care of those worldly things. You go preach the gospel. You go do what God called you to do. The third one is knowing the power of unity. You must, a heavenly citizen 
knows the power of unity. Now, there are some, uh, I should probably say, the mature heavenly citizen knows the power of unity. Because sometimes when you're immature, you don't know. I mean, little babies, little toddlers don't know all the things that the, that the grown-up children or the, the older children will know in a family. But we must know the power of unity. When you're growing in the Lord, you begin to know the power of unity. You know that no general won a war by himself. Absolutely not. He may be the most brilliant general the army has ever had, but he's never won by himself. You need an army, and you need it to be, to be focused. You need it to have purpose, and everybody needs to do his or her job. I'm reading out of the ESV in Luke 11, uh, verses uh, 17 through 18. He says, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. Now, we can take this understanding and, uh, and apply it to every phase of our life. Every part of our life, we should ap apply the scriptures. I don't have scriptures that I apply to my uh, Christian comportment when I'm with you, and then another set of scriptures or non-scriptures that I apply somewhere else. Oh, I apply common sense out there, but I, I apply the, the Word of God here. Well, to me, you want, you want sanctified common sense. You, that's what you want. You want, you want uh, that sense that God has sanctified in you, not just common sense. Because unworld, uh, ungodly people have what we would call common sense. No, you don't want that kind of stuff. You want it to be sanctified. Everything about you must be sanctified. Set apart for God. Amen? Amen. So every kingdom divided against itself is laid, laid waste, and a divided house falls. Now, let me just say very quickly, I'm going to move on, because what we're seeing in our country is a bad thing, but it's happening also all over the world. But let me say, it, it, as it happens all over the world, don't you be a contributor. Okay, don't be a contributor. All right. I can't wait till 1030, man. Okay. Now, yeah, because right now, Christians are... Per are participating in the downfall of our nation. Okay? Let me move on. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Okay, how will his kingdom stand? So they accuse the Lord of casting out demons by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. Say, wait a minute, that makes no sense, Jesus is saying. No sanctified sense, right? Because how can Satan's kingdom stand if it's divided? Because of the knowledge of this scripture, because of the knowledge this scripture brings, every kingdom citizen is obliged to seek unity and to live in peace with all people. Doesn't matter whether they see things the way you see them, you should live in unity. I often talk about uh, Pastor Charles, or I do from time to time, but Pastor Charles and I didn't see everything eye to eye, but you would never know it because we never thought about it. Wow. So you don't have to see everything and make everybody your enemy. You know, oh, that person's an enemy. As I said yesterday in our congregational meeting, I said that a lot of times we have prayer on, on uh, second and fourth Sunday evenings, prayer and praise. And a lot of the people who, not necessarily from this congregation, but a lot of people who uh, will say, boy, the, the government is bad and these, they, they've done all this stuff and they've taken prayer out of the school, they've taken prayer out of the school, those are just talking points. 
because they won't even come to prayer, those people. They won't come here. They won't go anywhere. A lot of times they don't pray. The people who have the loudest voice don't even pray. So what I'm saying is that's not a, the, the comportment of a heavenly citizen. All right? And you must, you must, you are obliged to seek unity and to live in peace with all people. Because the scripture says to us in Hebrews 12, 14, he says, pursue peace. Or I like the King James says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So he says, pursue peace with all people and holiness without, which no one will see the Lord. No one will see the Lord without this kind of holiness. You have to pursue peace. You have to follow peace. That means that, that you have to make sure you are a peacemaker. You know, there may be a, that person may be a troublemaker, but you try to bring peace there. That's your job as a believer. You're a heavenly citizen. You're to bring heaven to earth and, and, and not just let things happen the way they happen. All right? And um, let, let me read this one. Uh, I, I like this. Let, let me read verse 15. He says, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. So what he's saying is, I want you to look carefully at these things because I don't want you to fall short of the grace of God. Not fall in, you know, in a vertical situation, but you come short of it. You, you've done really well. You're walking, but you come short of it. You come short of the intent and purpose of God. And I know I, I've said before that there are a lot of people who are good-hearted but wrong-headed. So, so you need to allow what God has done in the heart and what God shares with you to be in the head. And don't be practical, as it were, without the Holy Spirit's unction. You know, because sometimes we seek uh, practicality, but there's no Holy Spirit unction. Well, you got to be practical. No, I'm not a pragmatic man. I am not seeking pragmatism. I'm not trying to be pragmatic. I'm trying to be holy. I want to be, I want to be holy. I want to follow the Holy Spirit. Follow the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter. Remember the story that the Colonel, oh gosh, Colonel Bernard, Warrington told us. He was telling us about the man who was, I think he was working near a cliff, and he fell over the cliff. He said he fell, fell off the cliff. He was falling down. He said, oh, he was grabbing and everything. And he found a little tree growing out of the, the, the side of the, the cliff. He said, oh, Jesus, Jesus. He was calling on God. He said, God, save me, save me, save me, save me. Save me, God. He said, and he, said he heard a voice. An angel spoke to him and said, let go. He said, save me, God, save me, God. He said, let go. He said, God. He said, you have anybody else up there? I don't like the way this one's talking. <laughs> but that's the, way, that's the way our attitude sometimes is. You know, wait a minute, God. You're saying something. I don't like the way you're talking. I want something more pragmatic. I want a chopper to come in and rescue me. I don't want to fall down and trust you, right? So let's, let's watch that because that's not the attitude of a, of a heavenly citizen. Uh, he says, okay, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. So don't let a root of bitterness. You know, roots of bitterness are always planted uh, uh, somewhere at, you know, around you. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was looking at, at uh, my yard 
uh, a garden, my wife's garden, her English garden, beautiful garden. And uh, I saw weeds in that thing. I mean, she didn't plant weeds. She planted a lot of expensive, beautiful plants and beautiful flowers and bushes. Really beautiful. Where? Where did those weeds come from? One, they came from the soil. It was already in the soil. And others, birds flew over and dropped something. Yeah. So life will, will drop stuff in you. And you say, well, where did this root of bitterness come from? It came from a past experience, maybe. Maybe it's something that was already there. So don't, don't do that because many become defiled because of that. You allow bitterness to come in when God did not plant bitterness in you. Amen. 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 Sister Amy. And then he gives us an example of Esau. This is the third lest. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. You know, what, what do you, he's talking about our birthright here. I believe that's the parallel. You know, what will you, what will it take for you to say, I'll follow this rather than the Holy Spirit, rather than following Jesus Christ? What will it take? Now, now, the writer of, of, uh, of Hebrews gives us a warning in 17. He gives us a lot of warnings in this book. He says, for you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. He sought it diligently with tears. He found no place of repentance. Now, this is what, what this means, I think, uh, for the New Testament saint. It means that when you go headlong, into what you know God didn't want you to do. You go headlong in there. You forget your heavenly citizenship and you act like you're just an earthly citizen. You, get, you, you create circumstances that you cannot negate. You know, you got those, you, you cry, 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 but the circumstances stay. Then 10 years down the road, you cry again, but they're still there. Then 15 years, they're still there. 30 years, they're still there. You're safe but you just disobeyed and you created something. But a heavenly, a mature heavenly citizen doesn't do that. I'm so sorry my time has is, is elapsed and uh, I'm going to finish these in the next service. But my fourth one point was something greater. And uh, if you're writing the fifth one, justice and the love of God. The sixth, the, the sixth one is false and true teaching. And the seventh, the true way into the kingdom. So those are those that, that you, will, you, will, you won't get to because you're part of this service unless you stay for the second one. But I want to just bless all of you in the name of Jesus. And I've really loved uh, being here with you this morning and, and sharing with you. Is there anyone in the house, anybody in the house, you said, Pastor, I was listening to you and I want to repent of my sins. I want to come to Jesus. Is there anybody like that here today? If, if you said, I want to come to Jesus. I, I'm tired of a life I'm living. I want to give my, my heart and my everything to Jesus Christ. And I want him to be the Lord of, of me, the Lord of my life. Is there anyone like that here today? Anyone? 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 I also, let me ask this. If, if you're a believer here today and, uh, and you would, were willing to say it, sometimes we're not willing to say it because we don't want to be judged. I won't judge you. 
I do not judge you. I will not judge you. No, I don't, because I'm a human being. And if you have been hit with something, I've probably been hit with it too. If you have thought something, I've probably thought it too. But I cannot, as someone said so well, I cannot keep birds from flying over my head, but I can certainly keep them from making a nest there. So that's my responsibility, and that's your responsibility. They may fly over your head, they may drop something, but they're not going to build a nest. And whatever they drop, I'm going to get rid of it by the Word of God. Amen? Amen. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I, I want you to pray because I want a better attitude as I walk through this world. I want a better attitude. And you can just say, I want it, Lord. I, you know, you can do that. Because I want that. I want that. There's some things that make me so mad. I say, God, I'm, that's crazy. That's not right, Lord. And then I have to say, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Calm down, calm down. I say to myself, calm down, calm down. Come on down. Because my, I have a, a very powerful weapon. It's called prayer prayer. It's a very effective weapon. I don't have to be in a place and I can pray and God will hear me and he will hear you. And then you can pray for yourself. I always pray this prayer, Lord, make me better today than I was yesterday. I pray that incessantly. Lord, make me better today. And sometimes when I have maybe a, a verbal faux pas, where I say something that I really did not feel in my heart and it wasn't quite the right thing, I say, God, I don't want to ever say that again. Now, I'm not talking about cussing. But I'm saying, you know, just something that's not good. Lord, I don't let me say that again. I don't want to say those things again, ever. I don't want them to come, even when I'm by myself, I don't want them to come off my lips. And if that's you today, I want to pray for you as we go. Father, I bless this house. I bless the people of God, these heavenly citizens who are in the world. They're ambassadors to you. They are, they are born again from heaven, but they're walking in the world. And Lord God, they're walking in, a, as it were, a foreign country. Lord, I pray that you would lift them higher than the things around them. I pray that, like the psalmist David, that you would lift them high so that they're, they're, they are set upon the rock and their head is lifted high above their enemies round about them so they can see the landscape and know what to do and what to say and how to comport themselves, that they are not uh, uh, pawns of the enemy and they are not be jerked around even by their own emotions. I pray in the name of Jesus that they would walk in maturity. The Bible says that your sheep hear your voice and your sheep know your voice. And I pray that they would know your voice and follow it wherever you take them. In the name of Jesus Christ, I bless them and declare that they're your people, they're your sheep, and the enemy has nothing to do with them. They're all overcomers. They're all winners. They're all victorious. In Jesus' name, amen.